Welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, along with my co-host, Adam Carver-Stellman. This episode, we're bringing you our Super Bowl prediction episode. Adam, let's talk Super Bowl. <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to transition into that. Let's, man. You know what? I, I was literally, because we I know we did, we just did our pregame for our pre-episode table talk roundup to figure out what we're talking about for this episode. And I said, I think this is one of the better Super Bowl matchups in a long time. And I will say this. I think this is the best Super Bowl matchup we've had in the last five years. I think the last time we had a Super Bowl matchup this good, it was between the Patriots and, funny enough, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't think we've had a good Super Bowl since. This one, though, is shaping up to be really good. We've got two stacked teams. I mean, you can you can talk a little bit about how the, the, the weaknesses for Kansas City, especially in the wide receiver core. They've got some name guys there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who had one good season and then got paid because of that one good season. Um, Kadarius Tony, But anyways, a lot of highly drafted guys. There's some name guys on the Kansas City side. And then, of course, you've got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith uh, over on the other side. But the rest of the, I mean, take out the the wide receivers, and these are really evenly matched teams. I mean, yes, uh, Philly has that really strong defensive line, but there's some guys that play for Kansas City. They're just Chris Jones, probably one of the best interior rushers since Indomitian Sue in his heyday. He's right up there, in my opinion, with Aaron Donald of rushing from the interior. You've got a former Seahawk in Frank Clark, who, despite his play dropping off during the regular season most years, the man comes alive in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. This is an awesome Super Bowl matchup. Which means it's going to be the worst Super Bowl we've seen ever. No, I'm kidding. You hardly ever see the best team in each conference actually make it to the championship game in any sport. Yeah. And that's the beauty of a playoff system. But this year it happened. And I don't care what anybody said about the Bills. Listen, the AFC playoffs got it right. The Chiefs were the best team this year in the AFC now we get to enjoy a great matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, because I got to I got to say, just to, to touch on that point, as much as I, I would love to have seen the Bengals make it for, to a second straight Super Bowl, and I really do love the Bengals as a team, and they have a really bright future in the AFC. Uh, Joe Burrow would have been killed; he would be dead if his if he went with that patchwork offensive line up against this Philadelphia Eagles defensive line in the Super Bowl. The man would be dead. He should be thanking his stars that he didn't make it this year. Yeah, and before we get too far into the Super Bowl matchup... Oh, that's right. We got other stuff. Let's go ahead and hit some news that's been happening around the NFL since our last episode. We all know the NFL coaching carousel is going on. Guys are being interviewed for coordinator positions and head coaching positions. There's quite a few coaching vacancies out there but we had a few guys get hired. The Carolina Panthers hired former Colts head coach Frank Reich as their head coach. I think it's a great hire. I think he's going to bring stability to a franchise that really has had no direction for the last couple of years. Yeah, that's it. Frank Reich's an interesting hire for a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest reason is, what does this mean for their quarterback situation? Because I think Sam Darnold came on late in the year I think he played pretty well down the stretch. And he's obviously, you know, a former, you know, very highly draft, you know, talented draft pick. I think he was number two overall to the Jets back in the day. That seems to be their number, drafting the number two guy. And the Jets, in my mind, will always be number two. That's a poop joke. 
the Frank Reich is kind of known as a quarterback whisperer. So are they bringing him in because they think, look, we can, we can, let's see if Sam Darnold is going to work for another year, or are they relying on Frank Reich to coach up a rookie? And that's going to be something to watch because I had, we, we haven't done any of our mock drafts yet. I mean, we've done them. We just haven't talked about them. But I got to tell you, I've definitely been looking at Carolina as one of those teams possible to trade up to number five to get a go get a quarterback, uh, you know, and give the Seahawks a few extra picks. But if they're thinking that Sam Darnold uh, might be their, their quarterback in the future and they want to give it one more year, that's that takes one of those trade partners away from the Seahawks. Honestly, we haven't come out with our mocks. I think there's a real chance that the Carolina Panthers might reach and get Anthony Richardson way too early in this draft. We'll see what happens. My mocks with trades, because I have a mock that I've done that doesn't have any trading. It's just straight pick position to kind of get a feel for the players that are out there. I have another mock that has some trades, and this is what I think will actually happen. I actually have three quarterbacks going in that top five. Is one of them Richardson? No, one of them is not Richardson. I okay. All right, I was, I was that's what I was asking. I was like, who's dropping out? Because I'll, I'll tell you, I, and uh, this is completely getting off topic, and it'll just be a real quick anecdote. Uh, I've done a lot of those mock drafts on some of those. Uh, you know, Pro Football Focus has a great draft mock draft simulator that you can go out and use yourselves. Uh, that's the one that I use to kind of play around with. I've done it on some other sites, but I think that's the best one, the one that's most dialed in. But uh, C.J. Stroud is dropping in most of the drafts that I've done. Uh, and he's gone as low as pick 21 in a draft that I did today. Uh, and I was just shocked by that. But it can happen. I mean, you know, positional needs, certainly it's a draft similar, takes those into account. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think that this this possibly takes it. You're right. I think they could trade up and, and, and reach for a quarterback. But I do also think bringing in Frank Reich means they might want to see if they can keep Sam Darnold and fix uh, what the Jets broke in him. Because as we know, here, especially in Seattle, that you can fix what the Jets break at quarterback. Shout out to Geno Smith. We should we should really, like that, I know, and I'm leading into an even better topic of conversation that we're going to have later. Uh, but anyway, go, let's let's keep with the, uh, the coaching carousel. The Houston Texans went back to their roots. They went and grabbed a great player from their past. They brought D'Amico Ryans, former defensive coordinator with the 49ers, in to be their head coach. I love this hire. I think D'Amico Ryans is a great up-and-coming coach. This is a good opportunity because of his past with that organization that they'll probably give him what I call the adequate amount of time to go in and see what he can do. So you're thinking three-plus years. A lot of these franchises that perennially pick really early picks in the draft, it's an organization problem. They don't give coaches long enough to implement systems to get the right players in there to develop that culture. I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be afforded the opportunity to develop the culture he wants, to bring the players in that he wants, and the coaching staff, and be able to actually put the product that he envisions on the field. I am really excited about this hire. I'm really excited. I am I am very trepidatious about this hire. I'm really excited for D'Amico Ryans because I agree. I think he's an up-and-coming defensive coach. I He is one of those guys that... Man, I would have loved to see the Seahawks grab him and bring him in to work on that defensive staff under Pete Carroll to possibly be a future Seahawks head coach because that's how much I love this guy. But again, but my thing is this is the Texas, this is the Texans organization. Uh, they don't have a really great history when it comes to these kind of hires. Uh, they don't really have a great history when it comes to uh, racial issues. 
so this is a tough one for me. I'm hoping that it works out. I'm hoping I'm completely wrong about them, and they're getting they're gonna do what you said and give him the time to implement his his system and build that culture because he deserves it. And I certainly think that if he's given that time, he will make a great head coach. If it's with the Texans, so be it. This is not where I was hoping he was going to go. I was really hoping that he was going to get to go to either the Broncos or somewhere else other than Texas. But, hey, he's there. Best of luck to him. That actually leads me into our next item, which is the Denver Broncos went out and hired probably the best coaching name on the market in Sean Payton. They went and they traded for his rights from the Saints. Great move by them. They paid a lot to get him. Yeah, I don't know if I can agree with a great move. Look, I love Sean Payton. Uh, he's he's definitely one of those guys that I I, I mean, I I loved him originally. I, I gotta say, I really haven't gotten over uh, Bounty Gate, just me personally, because uh, I think that robbed us of the Peyton Manning versus Brett Favre Super Bowl that everybody really wanted to see. But this is look, this is who Russell Wilson wanted. I I guarantee you, he was in the owner's ear this entire time saying Peyton, 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 Peyton. They did give up a lot to get him. They're going to spend a lot of money on him. Uh, they don't have any draft picks from till, uh, the, till day three uh, or day two, I guess. They have a third rounder. In any case, they don't have a first or second round pick this year or next year. Uh, so that's a lot. But they, they've got a lot of talent there. If anybody can pull it out, it's probably Sean Payton. Uh, I said at the beginning of the year that even though I didn't want Russell Wilson to succeed in Denver this year, I hope he has success in the future. Uh, I'd love to see him. It, look, if, if him and Peyton can go win a Super Bowl together, I'll be in the stands clapping. Probably not in the stands because I can't afford it, but I'll be watching TV clapping. I'm pretty confident to say that even going back to the beginning of the season, we've openly said we root for Russell Wilson to have success in Denver, just not in 2022. So best of luck to him. Sean Payton, I think, will bring structure, which is needed. He did a great interview. He was on the Pat McAfee show just this past week. He gave about a 30, 35 minute interview there, and it was great. There's good information. There were more players than just number three reaching out to Sean Payton saying he needed to go to the Broncos. So to get a little insight, go ahead and look that interview up. It's a good one. I'm excited for the Broncos. and We'll see what happens from here. There is a little bit more on the coaching carousel that affects the Seahawks. Sean Desai has been brought into a couple organizations to interview for open defensive coordinator positions. Also, Dave Canales, the longtime quarterbacks coach, and he's held several other coaching positions under Pete Carroll. In fact, he's been with Pete Carroll since the USC days. Yes, he has. Has had a few interviews for offensive coordinator positions. Great coach. Somebody I think the Seahawks are going to miss if he does get hired away. I was going to say, speaking of Seahawks offensive coordinators, uh, former Seahawks offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer was promoted by the Dallas Cowboys to their open offensive coordinator position. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't think Kellen Moore was the problem there. The, the problem is ownership, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, uh, apparently the... I was going to call him San Diego... Apparently, the Los Angeles Chargers don't think Kellen Moore was the problem either because they've already hired him as their offensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm glad it was a quick turn. Look, I love Kellen Moore. I loved him coming out of college. Loved him when he played at Boise State, even though I hate Boise State. But I, yeah, I, I thought he was he was, he was was great. Loved watching him uh, for his limited time that he was an NFL player. Thought he was a great coach. He's, I think, the only reason why a fourth-round 
quarterback was able to come on so strong in the Dallas Cowboys organization and have the success that he had there. Uh, I don't think Dallas is making the playoffs next year. Uh, and I know I already said that that's all I'm going to say about that. So I'm going to cut it off there. As you can tell, Adam has no love for the Dallas Cowboys. The NFL has an award show. They do this award what? show every year. In the week leading up to the Super Bowl, it is the NFL Honors. Seahawks had representation in a few categories at this award show. And I have to say, the Seahawks did not fare very well. Uh, they fared better than I thought they were going to. That's fair. So I was open about it when we talked about the nominations. Tariq Woolen, I thought, had a great season. I was open then with I did not think he was going to win. I thought it should have been Aiden Hutchinson. He's the one who really got robbed in the Defensive Rookie of the Year category because Sauce Gardner is the one who won that award. Well, he doesn't have a cool nickname. I think Woolen probably landed where he should have in that award category. I would have loved for him to have won. I think he's got a bright future. But really, Kenneth Walker III, K-9, he was robbed. And he was robbed hard by that East Coast media. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about why. So this was the first year, sorry, for those of you who don't know, uh, they changed the rules for Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, this year specifically, it was specific, all awards. used to be. All award voting. Right, sorry, yeah, sorry. But it, it used to be that whoever got the most first place votes won the award. Uh, this year, they decided to change up the format. Uh, now a point system was assigned to, to whether you get a first, second, third, fourth, or fifth place vote. Well, K-9 got the most first place votes, 19 to Garrett Wilson's 18. However, Garrett Wilson had, I think, over 30 second place votes. And uh, that's what uh, rocketed him to, the fin him to the finish line. Look, I'm not taking anything away from what Garrett Wilson did. Uh, obviously, the quarterback situation in New York is not great. Never has been. Uh, I think even when Joe Namath was quarterbacking for the New York Jets, it wasn't a great quarterback situation, but that's just an opinion uh, that I have. But what kills me is is the man, he, look, he he played the he was a starter the entire year. He was their number one uh, target on offense the entire year. Uh, when they lost uh, their other uh, rookie uh, phenom, uh, Brees Hall, uh, they really relied on, on him. And his targets went up after Brees Hall went down. But his catch percentage went down, his yards per target went down, his efficiency went down. Not taking anything away from the rookie season he had, he still had over a thousand yards. Uh, he had, I think, four touchdowns. He's a great player. I think he's got a bright future in the NFL. Kenneth Walker wasn't named the starter until week five. Uh, sorry, that's not true. He was not named the starter until week six. Uh, he played most of the week five game because uh, our starting uh, running back, Rashad Penny, went down in the first quarter against the Lions. With that said, with le five fewer games, he put up more total yards and, uh, and, he, and he led all rookies in yards from scrimmage, Kenneth Walker. He led all rookies in touchdowns with nine. He was clearly the better rookie this year. Uh, and I don't think that's debatable. Uh, but apparently, uh, the AP disagrees with me. Actually, no, they don't, because again, they gave him more first place votes. Uh, but because of the change in the system, he was, as you said, robbed of Rookie of the Year. I have no words. I couldn't have said that any better. But what I will say is congratulations to Geno Smith, who won Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, I, th this is where I was surprised. I honestly didn't think the Seahawks were going to take any of these awards. Uh, I really thought because it was Seattle uh, that Geno Smith was going to get overlooked. I, I thought this was award was going to go to 
Well, I, I thought the award was get, was going to go to the running back from San Francisco. I think Christian McCaffrey uh, was the front runner in most people's mind for this award. Uh, I thought he was going to win the award. Not that I think he deserved it over Gino, uh, but I did think he was going to win. Uh, so I'm stoked that we that Gino pulled it out. I think it's well deserved. Uh, the man has had a career resurgence like almost no other player. Man, we need to resign this guy. Uh, and I said this before. I've said it all. I said it all season. His the the amount of money we're gonna have to pay this guy is only getting high. It's only getting bigger and bigger. His checks getting bigger and bigger. Every game he when he put up stats. Now all these awards he's winning. It's gonna be really hard to re-sign him for under thirty five thousand or thirty five thousand thirty five million a year. Uh, and I think that's a that's gonna be a tough number for the Seahawks to swallow. But in this case, they gotta swallow it and do it. And we'll definitely have more on that in our next episode where we'll talk about the Seahawks pending free agents and kind of building that roster for next season to really compete in the playoffs next year. And then another thing that's announced during the NFL honors is the Hall of Fame induction class for that year. And so these guys had great careers. They deserve to be recognized. I believe every single one of these former players, coaches, and contributors deserve to be in this Hall of Fame class. So congratulations to all these guys. The class consists of offensive tackle Joe Thomas, linebacker Zach Thomas, linebacker Demarcus Ware, cornerback Darrell Rivas, cornerback Rondé Barber, coach Don Coriel, linebacker Chuck Howley, defensive lineman Joe Klecko, and cornerback Ken Riley. Congratulations to all those guys. They deserve to be in the Hall of Fame class. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I I know that we talked a little bit about this before. I, I still, man, I, I, I want Devin Hester to, I know he's going to make it in eventually. Really, I thought he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Really thought he should have been a second ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, but it's really hard to argue that he deserved it over any of the guys that made it in this year. This is a stacked Hall of Famer class. We do have a game, though. And that game coming up is the Super Bowl. Like we said before, between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, I was looking at this matchup because we're here to do our predictions. We're here to look at these teams and throw down a number and say, this is who I think is going to win and this is going to be the final score. But we had to look at the position matchups first. We've been doing this all year with the Seahawks. Now we get to do it between these two teams. Adam, looking at this matchup, which quarterback do you think takes the cake here? This was probably the easiest one to decide for me. Uh, the other, the other one that was really easy to decide was the coaching staff uh, who, who came out ahead there. But look, I think, I think that Jalen Hurts has a really bright future in the NFL. I think he's developing really well as a passer. He's obviously an amazing athlete. Uh, he's not Patrick Mahomes, right? and until someone else is Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is going to win the quarterback matchup. I went same direction, right? Kansas City all the way, even though Patrick Mahomes coming off of that high ankle sprain, they've obviously had a couple weeks to work on it. I don't think it'll be a problem. He obviously played in the conference championship game with that injury. Just something to watch one of those underlying storylines throughout the game. How about the running back room? Yeah, you know, I said the quarterback was easy. So, so is this one. This one's just as easy to pick. And the reason being is because there are no running backs, uh, really, uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the only one who you can name right off the bat is actually a practice squad player, 
And that's the that's the former Denver Bronco, Melvin Gordon III, who has now lucked into a possible Super Bowl championship ring uh, thanks to being signed off of waivers by the Kansas City Chiefs. But look, the, the running backs for the Philadelphia Eagles have been getting it done all year. They led the league in rushing. Yes, that was in part due to the rushing numbers from Jalen Hurts, but they have really efficient running backs. Uh, Scott is a monster in the red zone. The man has a nose for the end zone. Uh, obviously, their other two rushers have been putting up big numbers all year. Yeah, the, the the Philadelphia Eagles take the running back matchup for me. Yeah, the Eagles took the matchup for me as well. They just have better depth, just like you said. You have Sanders, Boston Scott. I really like Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, all these guys can get it done. They're all contributors. Definitely Philadelphia for me for the running backs. Wide receivers. We talk. We actually. So this is the one that we actually really talked about um, going to this. We don't usually give each other away our predictions uh, before we do the show because we like to have that reaction uh, from things. But we did talk about this specifically with the wide receivers, and there are a lot of names on the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is no longer there, uh, but uh, they've still got Miko Hardman, who's a speedster. Uh, they got Marquez Valdez Scantling, who they signed off uh, away from the Packers, who's another guy that can stretch the field. He's also a big-bodied receiver that can box cornerbacks out. Juju Smith-Schuster is obviously a name that is most people know, maybe because of the TikTok debacle. But uh, And then they've got Kadarius Toney, who was a first-round draft pick just a year ago uh, from the New York Giants. They've got names, but none of these guys are the focus of that offense, and none of these guys put up any kind of numbers that you can brag about this year. So this one is another easy one for me. The wide receivers go to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles. I also went with the Eagles for exactly the same reason you said. They have guys that are proven. They have great talent right now. Sure, there are some people on the Chiefs who have had good seasons in the past, but I really like what's happening in Philadelphia with their wide receiver room. How about the tight end room? This one was a little tougher for me. Look, there was an argument to be made a couple years ago that the Philadelphia Eagles had the best tight end tandem in the league when they had both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz obviously no longer there. Uh, He's in Arizona. Uh, but uh, even with those two, it would be really hard to give this nod to anyone but Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. He may be the best tight end in the history of the NFL by the time he retires. He's certainly knocking on that door now. Uh, so, yeah, Travis Kelsey takes this one by a mile. Once again, we're on the same page. Didn't talk about this beforehand, but we're really in line on the way we're thinking. I got to give it to Kelsey and the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm actually wondering if there's anything we're going to be deviating on. I just realized that we have been in lockstep so far. How about the offensive line? Both teams have really good offensive lines. I I think we can have a conversation about this. Certainly Creed Humphrey uh, is a name that the Seahawks fans should know well there in Kansas City. uh, Big missed opportunity by the Seahawks uh, not drafting him. They've got, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. that they signed away from the Ravens. They've got a good offensive line and they've been able to keep Patrick Mahomes up uh, for most of the year. What they don't have are two surefire Hall of Famers uh, manning uh, the two most important spots or two of the most important spots on their offensive line like the Philadelphia Eagles have. Uh, Jason Kelsey, obviously Travis Kelsey's older brother, uh, a stalwart along that uh, offensive line for the uh, for the Eagles. Uh, the man is a surefire first bout Hall of Famer, in my opinion, uh, one of the best centers of all time. Uh, and they've also got Lane Johnson, who's a great right tackle, a former Kansas City right tackle, as a matter of fact. Uh, but I had to give this nod to the Philadelphia Eagles. Was Lane Johnson not on the Philadelphia? Was he not in Kansas City? Did I just make that up? I might have just made that up. 
Yeah, cool. Adam gets one a, one, a, one a podcast, guys. There it is. There's the Adam doesn't know what the hell he's talking about moment this week. So the offensive line matchup, I also went with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just looked looked at the players. Sure, Kansas City might have some guys that are going to continue to get better, but I think right now the Eagles take it. Defensive line. This is another tough one. We But we already said this is one of the best Super Bowl matchups we've seen in a long time. Certainly the best one of the last five years. Uh, there are some guys, uh, certainly we've got, we, you know, we know the name Frank Clark really well here in Seattle. Uh, the man is, I believe, the current AFC sack leader for postseason sacks uh, in the NFL of active or long among active players. Chris Johnson or Chris Jones, I apologize, is a monster on the defensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Philadelphia Eagles have five guys, uh, four of which man their defensive line front, all of which had 10 plus sacks this year. This was another easy one for me. Uh, great guys on both sides, but uh, Philadelphia's uh, line is a monster. I agree. I also went with Philadelphia. Listen, their starters are amazing. Their second stringers across that entire defensive line would be a starting defensive line for 80% of the teams in this league. It's a no-brainer. Eagles. How about the linebackers? Um, we'll see if Willie, how healthy Willie Gay is going into this, but there's one name that I think makes this an easy choice, and that name is Hassan Reddick, uh, the sack leader for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the man just knows how to get to the quarterback, knows how to find the ball, knows how to stop the run. He is one of the best, if not the best, all-round linebacker in the league right now, uh, and he pushes them over the edge for me. Linebackers go to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, it's almost like we've been doing this podcast together for 45 plus episodes because I'm right there with you. Almost. Linebacking core, Philadelphia Eagles. I thought Hassan Reddick actually pushed it over for me as well. It's not just that he's been playing well all season. He's been playing lights out in the playoffs. So, yes, Philadelphia Eagles linebacker core. How about the defensive backs? This one was a little bit tougher than me. And this actually, we may differ on this one. I'm actually having to give this one a push. Look, Kansas City has some great guys. Obviously, Darius Sneed uh, is a name that everyone knows. Uh, he's getting up there in years, but still being impactful in the game. But their, and their secondary has been playing really, really well, especially in the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles, Darius Slay uh, is the name to know, obviously. But they've got some other guys that have really come on late in the season. So I'm giving this one a push. We are going to differ on this one. I went with the Philadelphia Eagles. I really like Darius Slay. I like CJ Garner Johnson. I like James Bradbury. I think that defensive back core is really going to take it over the edge. And little Seahawks news here. Marquise Blair is actually on the depth chart for the Philadelphia Eagles. I know that hurt. I, I, I saw that too. Man, that hurts. Man, that hurts. He's going to make a he's going to make a play in the Super Bowl. He's going to make a play in the Super Bowl and everyone's going to go, ah, Swear to God. I like the player. Uh, I hope he gets a ring out of this. Yeah, I love the How guy. How about the special teamers? This one I'm going to do a push just because I, I don't think there's any real edge here. Either team, they don't have any real names on special teams. No one's really stood out. Miko Hardman, I might give the Kansas City a little bit of an edge in the return game, uh, but they both got really good kickers. Uh, so I went ahead and gave them a push. I gave special teams to the Kansas City Chiefs. I had to go. I had to go down the returner depth chart. The Eagles have some injuries kind of with their guys who have been doing that all year. Kansas City Chiefs have players who are not going to be doubled as starters elsewhere. So I went Kansas City Chiefs on that one. Real quick, how about your staff? Which staff has the edge? 
I think you already know my answer. I'm going to let you answer for both of us because I know it's the same. I went with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, what a coincidence. Andy Reid has an amazing staff. I don't know how Biennemi is not a head coach in this league, but he's going to be calling plays on the offense there. Fantastic coaching staff in Kansas City. Yeah, you guys can keep Bill Belichick. Andy Reid's the greatest coach in NFL history. So we're here to make a prediction. What's your prediction? Give me final score and who you're rooting for personally in the game. Oh, that's that. That's uh, always bringing a surprise. Uh, look, we talked about this before. This is tough. I, I think this it could be a very high scoring game or it could be a very low scoring game. I'm going to go high with my prediction. I think we're going to see points in bunches. I said 38 Philadelphia, 32 Kansas City. I don't know that I'm rooting for anybody. I'm rooting for Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid deserves to get a second ring. I'd love to see him do it here uh, against his former team. It's just poetic. Love the guy. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I want Kansas City to win, but I think Philadelphia is going to win. All right. For me, my prediction, I also went high on the scoring on this one. Kansas City Chiefs, 24. Philadelphia Eagles, 38. And personally, I'll be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles, though it will put a joy in my heart to see Andy Reid get another ring. Who doesn't want to see that man eat another cheeseburger? This has been the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. Thank you for listening. Since we are a Seahawks podcast, as always, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>